All right, we're going to be talking about the Lord's Supper. And uh, again, uh, probably two passages that uh, give us uh, the best information on this. And uh, it would be Matthew 26 to begin with, uh, when the Lord Jesus instituted uh, the Lord's Supper. And then we'll look again at uh, Paul's instruction as was given to him by the Lord in 1 Corinthians 11. But again, today is that has really been a special day for our church where we've had the opportunity to observe both ordinances of, uh, that the Lord has commanded us to observe. And what a privilege to baptize a new believer and see their desire to grow in the Lord and to live for Him. Now, uh, today is also the first Sunday of the month. That's our usual practice is to observe the Lord's Supper remember what he did in providing uh, the way of salvation. And so as we come to our regular observance of the Lord's Supper here in our church, I believe it's appropriate to spend some uh, time talking about it uh, uh, and uh, actually taking a break uh, from our regular study, which uh, uh, we really haven't started yet. Uh, we're going to start a new study, uh, Lord willing, next next. Uh, uh, Sunday, but uh, uh, we'll uh, uh, take care of this first. Uh, it's not an occasion, well, this was not an occasion for Jesus and his friends just to get together uh, for lunch uh, or a meal. Uh, it wasn't a time of joking and stor storytelling. Now, uh, we've had a, a good time uh, around the table today, some of you. Uh, uh, made some jokes and told some stories, no doubt, and uh, enjoyed one another's fellowship. Uh, but that's not what Jesus and his disciples were doing. Uh, this was actually the observ observance of the uh, Passover and uh, the Passover meal, which was an opportunity for the Lord to change the observance into a memorial of what uh, he would do in behalf of all mankind. The Lord Jesus ate uh, the Passover supper one night, and then became the Passover lamb uh, himself uh, later. Uh, that was the night before his crucifixion. If we go to Matthew chapter 26 and verse 17, uh, there we read, Now the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a man, and say unto him, the master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve, and as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with, his, with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. Uh, the Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. And then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and brake it gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. Uh, continue on, verse 30. 
For this is my blood of New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Uh, again, as I've already said, we've, we're observing two ordinances that Jesus Christ had given to be observed in the church, his church. Uh, the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, the ordinance of believers' baptism. Now, some churches say there are three ordinances. Uh, they would include the time when Jesus washed the disciples' feet and said that was to be an example for them to follow. Yes, it was an example, uh, but it was an example, uh, a picture of serving others. But nowhere in the Bible is it commanded to be observed as an ordinance of the local church. So now there are some important lessons, I think, concerning the Lord's Supper that we want to look at uh, this afternoon. First of all, the Lord's Supper is an outgrowth of the Passover Supper. Back in Exodus chapter 12, we see that the Lord is about to deliver his people from the bondage of Egypt. Uh, he's going to do it by blood, so to speak. He sent a plague, plague after plague actually, no plague, no judgment ever delivered one single Israelite from the bondage of Egypt, but the blood did. God said, now take and slay a lamb. In Hebrews 9.22, it says, without the shedding of blood is no remission. He said, sprinkle the blood on the lintel of the door and with the two posts. When I pass over tonight in judgment, I will slay the firstborn of the home. And that is where we get the word Passover. Uh, God said that the, this lamb had to be without spot or blemish because it typified the perfect lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, its blood, his blood was, the blood of the lamb was shed, its body was consumed, not a bone of it was broken, just like no bones of Jesus were broken on the cross when ordinarily they would have been. Uh, the Roman soldier that came to break his legs at the crucifixion uh, uh, had to be sure that they were dead. Uh, but when he came to Jesus, he said he is dead already. Uh, he could not break the word of God, uh, for the word of God had said, a bone of him shall not be broken. But of the Passover lamb, God said, someday when your children are going to ask, what means this Passover supper? You remind them that they were delivered from Egypt by the blood of the Passover lamb. He said, when I, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the lamb looked in two different directions, backward to deliverance from Egypt and forward to the coming of the lamb of God. You see, the lamb was a type. It was a picture. Uh, it looked backward to the deliverance from Egypt. It looked backward to the deliverance and redemption and looked forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to die for our sins. In John 1.29 we read, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And that's the same thing that's true of the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper looks two ways. When Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, he said, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death. That's looking backward to the finished work, a blood work on the cross. And then he said, Ye show the Lord's death till he come." That's pointing to his second coming, as the Passover pointed to his first coming. I'm simply saying that the Lord's Supper is an outgrowth of the Passover Supper. 
Uh, we could also understand it. Uh, we will uh, do well to understand it unless, uh, and we won't be able to understand it unless we see this connection. Uh, there, will, there are some who even believe that that has never changed, uh, that it's still the same as the Passover. That, of course, could not possibly be true. Uh, God has never told us to slay a lamb. Uh, we're not going to slay or kill any lambs here today. God has never told us to put a lamb aside for three days and scrutinize it as the Lord was scrutinized for three years. God never told us to do that, nor slay the lamb, nor sprinkle the blood. It's already been done, and it was done on the cross. Hebrews 10.4 says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. So the Lord's Supper is an outgrowth of the Passover Supper. Secondly, we want to look at the meaning of the Lord's Supper. What does the Lord's Supper mean? Sometimes people think that if you're going to observe the Lord's Supper properly, that it should be observed with fermented wine, not just the fruit of the vine. Let me say this. The Bible never contradicts itself. Never. God said, Look not upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. Proverbs 23, 31. And God never contradicts himself. Now, there is a generic term for wine used in the New Testament. It's like when Jesus turned the water into wine at the marriage feast, it was not fermented liquid. A generic term was used, which means a liquid made from grapes. This generic term does not always mean a fermented substance. It's like grape juice. And there's a misunderstanding by thousands about communion or the Lord's Supper and what it really means. Take, for instance, a Catholic doctrine which believe in transubstantiation. It's a big word, uh, but uh, it's not found in the Bible. Now, that's true of a lot of words that we use, not found in the Bible, but uh, we, find, we don't find this taught in, uh, the, in the Bible. The Catholics would say there are seven ordinances. The Catholic Church says that the bread actually becomes the body of Jesus and the, the wine literally becomes the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, one can see where people might think that. Jesus uh, handed them the bread and instituted the supper. He said, take, eat, this is my body. Uh, when he handed them the cup, he said, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood. Now, wait a minute. In John 6, at the great miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, he said to the people, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye shall not have life in you. But Jesus did not say you have to eat this flesh and drink this blood. You see, the, the Bible also says that man is not to drink blood. He says that in the New Testament or in the Old Testament. And when Jesus was teaching the parable about sowing the word of God, he said the field is the world. The field was not really the world. It just represented the world. When he said the seed you uh, see is the word of God, the seed that you see and the seed that you sow is the word of God. And that seed did not become the Bible, the word of God. It just represented the Bible. And that's what God is talking about when he says 
This broken element represents my body. This fruit of the vine represents the blood that shed, was shed on the cross of Calvary. No Christian who believes the Bible and sees the Lord and, and, and hears one illustration after another to teach the truth could ever say that when we take the Lord's Supper, is actually becoming the body of Jesus and we're actually drinking the blood of Jesus Christ. So what is the Lord's Supper? Well, it's a memorial. Uh, Jesus said uh, that it's to remember him. Paul taught that also. Notice when, the, uh, when he uh, talked to the Corinthian believers, he gave the order and the meaning of the Lord's table. It said, when he, that is Jesus, had given thanks, he break it, that is the bread, and said, this do in remembrance of me. He took the cup saying, this do in remembrance of me. It's a memorial a living, visible, tangible memorial of what the Lord Jesus has done for us on the cross. And twice he said, this do in remembrance of me. So the Lord's Supper is an outgrowth of the Passover Supper. It's the, uh, we've looked at the meaning of the Lord's Supper. Notice the, uh, the purpose of the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper has a purpose, and I hope we will remember it when we partake of the supper this afternoon. The Lord's Supper is the Lord's Supper. Okay? Sometimes we can just kind of overlook that. We can just say, the Lord's Supper, you know. Well, we don't... I want you to put the emphasis on the Lord's Supper. I say that for this reason. Some churches would say, we observe the Lord's Supper, and it's only for members of this local church. No, the Lord's Supper is the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is for the Lord's people. It's not for the unsaved. Okay? Remember Judas? When Jesus said, one will, of you will betray me, one of you is a devil, he it is who dippeth his hand with me in the dish, they were absorb, observing the Passover Supper, and Judas asked, is it I? Jesus said, thou sayest. And then in John 13 and verse 30, it says that Judas went out and, and it was night. Judas never partook of the Lord's Supper. You see, he had no right because he was lost. It is for any saved person, any child of God who is right with God. Now, the purpose of the Lord's Supper is actually threefold. Again, we look backward to the finished work. When we sit together at this table, the Christian can look back to the cross and hear Jesus say, It is finished. Our sins have been paid for completely. We look back to the finished and completed work. So we look backward, but we also should look inward. Paul said, But let a man examine himself in uh, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. And when we partake of the Lord's Supper, it should be a time when we, as a Christian, ask ourselves, is there confess, unconfessed sin in my life? Listen, many a Christian has what we might call sins of the Spirit. They have not robbed a bank. They have not killed anybody. They haven't stolen any money. But they have sins of the Spirit. They're envious. They're jealous. They have hatred. They have ill will. 
They have malice in their hearts. And this is just as much of a sin as any sin. And so when a Christian comes to the table, Paul said, look inward. Not only look backward to the finished work, but look inward. Let a man examine himself. Psalm 139.23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in way everlasting. What if you were, what would you think if you were preparing to partake of the Lord's Supper? And I don't know that I've ever seen this, but what, it, what would you think if one person said, leaned over to another person says, Brother so-and-so, I want you to forgive me for the things I said to you. I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? And the other person says, well, yes, I forgive you. You see, that's what is supposed to take place. If we come to the table and there is something in our hearts against another person, including husbands and wives. I wonder how many husbands and wives have come to the Lord's table with, with a problem, a division in their lives, and, and then they partook and, and, uh, and they were not examining themselves. We say, well, I wouldn't want to, it'd be embarrassing if I leaned over and talked to somebody about that. You know, I think if we ever saw that happen, we could rejoice that God was working in someone's heart and they were getting it right with God. They were getting it right with that other person. So we look backward, we look inward, and then thirdly, we look upward. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. For as often as you drink this bread and drink this, eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. When we sit at the table of the Lord, he said, we are looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And so it's an outgrowth of the Passover. It's the meaning of the Lord's Supper, the purpose of the Lord's Supper. Notice the penalties of partaking unworthily. Now, if you look there in 1 Corinthians 11, in verse 29, the talks about partaking of the Lord's Supper unworthily. So often we connect that with verse 28. But Paul is really talking there about uh, not properly observing the Lord's Supper. It says, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation or condemnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And he's not necessarily saying that if a Christian has some sin or is not perfect, that he is partaking unworthily, as we often look at verse 28 and connect those two. But I believe we must come to the Lord with pure hearts. I think that's still going to be the most pleasing thing to God, is to come with a pure heart, with sin confessed. But to partake unworthily is to abuse the Lord's table, as the people of Corinth were doing. Some would make it a feast of drunkenness. Uh, some came and ate until they were so full they couldn't hardly walk. Some were poor and they sat in back and they weren't fed. They, were, uh, they went hungry. A Christian must search his heart, but that's not what this verse is talking about. Rather, it's talking about the supper of the Lord as he describes it. What shall I say to you? 
Shall I praise you in this? Verse 22. There are some results of partaking of the Lord, uh, Lord's Supper unworthily. It's, it's a, uh, a debility. It's a disease. It's a death. For this cause, what cause is that? Perverting the Lord's table. Many are weak. They have debility. And sickly, they have disease. Now, I don't believe this means every time one, someone gets sick that God is punishing you. I think God can use sickness in our hearts to, to help us, or sickness in our bodies to help us to look to Him for strength, encouragement. But it doesn't mean necessarily, oh, what did I do wrong now? What did I sin? Because now I'm sick. Sickness comes. It's a part of life. Our frail bodies do not last long. When you see a saint of God, don't think, well, I wonder what he's done wrong now. Don't think that. It's not necessarily so. I'm not saying it isn't so, but it's not necessarily so. You know, somebody's saying, well, they've sinned now. God's got to spank them, so he's making them sick. No. God does allow sickness. Paul says, for the perversion of the table of the Lord. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. God even takes some prematurely to heaven because they perverted the table of the Lord. So it's important, it's serious, yet it's beautiful to sit together and look backward to the cross, forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an outgrowth of the Passover. It's the meaning, we've looked at the meaning, looked at the purpose, the penalties, and then the people. I've already referred to the fact that the Lord's Supper is for saved people. Only the child of God should partake of either ordinance, baptism or the Lord's Supper. If you're saved and you've been obedient to the Lord in scriptural baptism, that baptism by immersion after you're saved, you should partake in the Lord's Supper. I think it's right that you be right with the Lord as you come to this table. Uh, You do not get baptized in order to be saved. You get baptized because you are saved. Uh, You don't partake in the Lord's Supper in order to be saved. You partake because you are saved. Now, we've already mentioned Judas and the fact that he uh, left the table. He, having received the sop, went out immediately out, and it was night. You know, it's been night ever since in the dark soul of Judas. He knew nothing of the love that Jesus spoke of when Jesus said, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have loved one to another. He sang no hymn as others did at the close of the supper. He knew nothing of the meaning of the broken body and the shed blood of Lord Jesus. Those at the table were blood-washed, born-again people. They felt His outflow of love, and they had loved one for another. They experienced the glorious unity and unspoiled sin and carnality. What a sweet hour when we come together for the love of the saints and the glory of the Father. And so the Lord's Supper is an outgrowth of the Passover. The meaning is that it's a memorial of what Jesus did for us. The purpose is a backward look, an inward look, an upward look. The penalties are for those who partake unworthily or pervert the Lord's Supper. And the people of the Lord's Supper are saved, baptized, obedient Christians who love the Lord, dwell together in the unity of the Spirit. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. 
for this wonderful opportunity we have to once again observe the Lord's table. And we pray, Lord, that as we do so, we come with pure hearts and made things right with you and made right with others. Thank you, Lord, for this, uh, this opportunity today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.